Hello, this is Emma Knights from the National Governance Association. Uh, and here we are with our governing chatters uh, just before the 1st May um, bank holiday. So I have with me uh, today Emma Bolchin, our Director of uh, Professional Development. Hello. And Steve Edmonds, our Director of Advice and Guidance. Hello. So April, um, apart from the lovely uh, Easter Easter sun, um, we have actually been busy doing um, a whole number of things preparing for the summer term at uh, Governance HQ spread across the Midlands. Uh, and one of the things we're really pleased about is uh, we've had more entries than ever for the Outstanding Governance Awards. So thank you so much for those of you that nominated boards and governance professionals. It's it's a real way that we can celebrate what's um, great uh, across the, the sector. So there'll be more on that to come once we have um, judged, judged those awards. Uh, and that's all part of our uh, Visible Governance Campaign 2021, trying to raise the profile of what you are all doing and, and doing well. But another uh, achievement, I think, in uh, uh, April has been the publication uh, of the new edition of Welcome to Governance, which is our induction guide for those of you who govern um, single schools. Um, such an important um, part uh, of making sure that volunteers feel ready and able to govern. I don't think anybody feels ready and able at their, at their very first meeting. It takes a while to to get embedded but if you remember our eight elements of effective governance the first being getting the right people around the table but the second is about them understanding their their roles and responsibilities so Steve we really hope don't we that welcome to governance uh, plays a, a part in in getting people um, uh, ready to engage uh, absolutely. And the other thing we should say about Welcome to Governance is, doesn't it look lovely with its brand new uh, white cover yes. and, uh, and, and all new design? So, yeah, very excited about the hard copy of Welcome to Governance dropping through my uh, letterbox and get, getting to see that 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 finished uh, product. But uh, you're absolutely right. Yeah, Emma, we're, we're, we're it's very important uh, publication for, for us and I think for the sector as a whole. Um, we were uh, pleased to have the opportunity, I think, this time round to to reflect on on what we wanted to say in this edition, and to and to do that that thing that we always do at NGO, which is go back to first principles and uh, and consider um, the the journey into governance. You know, particularly in the first first six months, uh, and and rearrange rearrange the content. Um, to sort of reflect that and 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 sort of getting get into that mindset, but also uh, bring out some of the best uh, of our knowledge center and and our relearning offer as well. So uh, hopefully we've achieved all of those things. Uh, time will tell. Really looking forward to receiving feedback from from those who read it. And of course, it won't be too long until edition thirteen is uh, you know is in the pipeline, and we have the chance to to plan that. So. You know, it's a genuine, uh, a genuine request for for those uh, who use and, and make use of Welcome to Governance to let us know what they think and how how we can uh, we can improve it further because that's the business we're in. 
Absolutely. And it, it's part, isn't it, of a whole range of other things that um, uh, new volunteers need sort of locally um, from their own um, governing boards, from their clerks. We hope that governance professionals are more and more engaged in um, uh, helping volunteers uh, understand what it is um, that uh, that they need to be doing sort of before meetings, during meetings, um, after uh meeting so we know there's a whole range of information that your school or or trust um will will provide um as well uh but also um we know that induction is really variable across the place some boards and trusts are absolutely great at, at welcoming people um talking to them before that first meeting whereas others just get catapulted into that meeting with a whole a whole set of papers wondering quite how how they should engage or react or you know understand the acronyms uh, so you've got a glossary haven't you um Steve and welcome to governance which I think is is really crucial uh, for newbies yeah the glossaries the glossary is um, is something that's always always been there and as you say is uh, is one of the most uh, important um, parts of the guide um, what we've tried to do um, on this occasion as well which just plays to what you've just been saying is is declutter the guide a little uh, so that it feels less daunting um you, you know you don't um you never stop learning in this business that's a, you know the great and wonderful thing about governing um and so that you know this expectation that's that's sometimes placed on, on on people that you know they have to acquire uh, you know a level of knowledge in a in a certain period of time in order to be effective it's a bit of a myth really and so um what we tried to do with, with through the publication was just to sort of take a sort of a, a collective deep breath. Okay, this is important. There are lots of different elements. It's complicated. The system doesn't always make it easy for us. But um, whatever your background, uh, whatever your perspective, you almost certainly have something to offer to the conversation. Uh, and you have an opportunity to learn, on, on, you know, in broad, broadly speaking, on your own terms, with support and advice, and we're going to help you navigate that best route for you over the first few months through a formal induction through the conversations you might be having with your peers and with your uh, with your networks through the questions you might ask a starter questions that then lead on to some more uh, you know some more sort of in-depth uh, lines of inquiry um, just so the whole um, process really feels a little bit more manageable um, and, and so you, you're on that sort of firm ground uh, to take off from really, you know, throughout your, your term of office and, and beyond, making a contribution to the system. That's something, you know, we're all really passionate about. And uh, this is where we start, isn't it? Absolutely. And people often say to us, don't they, and possibly longer that, you know, it took them a year before they really felt they understood, you know, what was expected at different um, different points. And I quite understand that. As, you know, you, you're still you're still learning. You know, I, I, I learn things in, in my job here and I've been embedded in, in this for really, really such a long time. Do you? 
do we know how many people now are given sort of buddies or or mentors from amongst their board? I mean, it's something, isn't it, that we've all been saying for quite a long time that you may not want to voice that question at the board. So if you if you've been allocated a a, a buddy or a mentor, you can then take it there and go. Would that have been a silly thing to? to say, but I'm never quite sure whether that's yet common practice. What, what do you think? I, I think, Emma, that it, uh, lots of schools do it. Lots of schools and trusts have got really good systems and processes in place um, to welcome new governors in and also to give them confidence. But um, what that'll be certainly one of the things that we say, and actually we'll have the opportunity to ask it of all new governors, um, particularly if they're they're gold members of ours, in our um, virtual uh, Welcome to Governance live sessions that are going to start happening from June. So any new new sort of governors uh, or trustees will be able to explore with them, kind of back off your point, Emma, really, about it taking people 12 months to feel as though they really know what they're doing, to have a look at actually how can you make a difference and be really effective within that first six months as a new governor or trustee. Um, And I think, you know, we'll be exploring what to expect. So some positives and real life challenges, but also top tips like, have you got yourself a buddy? Because even if your school or trust don't do that for you as a matter of course, there's absolutely nothing that stops you from asking for that, even if it's asking the chair or the clerk. Quite often those governance professionals can be really supportive in facilitating those sorts of things, can't they? Do you know what? That's a really good point, Emma, because you don't all you don't to make something like that work, you don't necessarily have to be systematic about it. Um, you know, if the boards have that culture um which welcomes new members, which wants them to succeed, which wants them to contribute as as part of the team and you know have their you know have their voice heard. Um I, I think they're open to that suggestion. So even if even if there's no formal system in place, I think there's uh, ask, just asking. You know, I could really do with that um, with, with that kind of support uh, to help me through the first few weeks. And you can be on on whatever terms you like, really. You know, if it's just the odd phone call or meet meet up for a coffee, won't that be nice when we can do that again? But that that, that I think is really um, I, I think that's that's really important. Um, yeah. That that we just keep planting those seeds and and um, you know that 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 makes such a difference to people. Absolutely, business. that's exactly that. Just ask, feeling able to ask. Actually, I've just um, uh, come from uh, a, a live session panel session for the um, school and academy show, talking about um, uh, equality, diversity, and inclusion, particularly around race. And of course, that was just a big, big issue about boards do they do they really welcome and include it's not just a numbers game is it Uh, ticking off oh yes we have somebody from this background and somebody else from this um, ethnic origin it it really is about making people feel they're included so I'm like I'm liking that I'm really liking that um, uh, link and of course the the other person that should should be really critical um, is the um, chair and sometimes delegated to the vice chair but um, again in one of our other 
other uh, guides, the Chair's Handbook, we have a whole chapter on that role of the chair in um, developing the whole the whole team. So it's not just sort of induction and it's done then, is it? It's a continuous um, continuous process. And and Emma, you've been trying to do some some thinking about are there any sort of standards or expectations we can we can set on this. Yeah, because Emma, we were focusing recently, weren't we, on encouraging uh, governors to make sure and, and trustees to make sure that staff CPD was prioritised in the way that it should be. And I suppose it gave me pause for thought, really, about the fact that, um, you know, we we desperately hope that the Department for Education will continue to allocate funding towards governance development um, and, and to offer funded programmes. But actually... Um, in the absence of that, that it's critical that boards themselves take that development really seriously. And so often our members tell us that they don't want the school to allocate money towards anything to do with them, be it expenses or CPD costs, because they are concerned. It takes um, that pound away from frontline delivery and that they're sort of taking it away from children. Um, when the reality is, of course, that if you've got a really skilled um, and able governing board, that actually it adds value to that frontline delivery, doesn't it, in so many ways? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and making that case is quite hard, isn't it? NGA has been in that business of make, trying to make that case for for really quite a long um, a, a long time. And I think that's probably why we've we've just talked about um, uh, induction and and training for our first ten minutes because it is sort of our bread and butter of um, of our our business. Um, but we did think that today we would focus mainly on a topic that that we think motivates um, all of you that, that volunteer, which is, is about pupils and pupils getting the best possible deal and particularly pupil well-being. But I'm really conscious that um, this week the Secretary of State uh, made a significant uh, speech. He hasn't made uh, many speeches during his, his tenure, Gavin. Williamson, um, but it was mainly, almost entirely, actually, about school structures and and behaviour. But we didn't really want to divert into that uh, subject because we've talked so much about school structures as NGA, and of course, we're there to help help our members consider options and consider different structures. And of course, we'll continue um, uh, to do that. And in fact, in last month's podcast, we were we were talking about trust, weren't we? Because we had just published um, Matt's Matt's moving um, uh, forward, uh, but actually, this is the term when we hope you are all revisiting your strategy. Um, often, the summer term is the term you do that, but particularly post COVID, when there hasn't been so much brain space or just literally time to to think strategically, to think into the the future, we're really encouraging everybody to make sure you set that time um, aside, whether it's virtual or actually back together um, with your with your school leaders to review your your vision and strategy and to um, decide those priorities for the for the coming year and there is a thought that um, um, we wouldn't tell you we wouldn't dare to tell you what your priorities for your context should be but I'm sure pupil well-being may well be on the list that um, that you're thinking about yeah I, I think 
I think for me, connecting the connecting the two, uh, you know, the, the big issue of uh, of of policy, current big issue of policy around school structures and and, and behaviour to to these topics um, is quite interesting, really, uh, in terms of you know where where we should focus our thinking as governing boards. And you often say, you know, as, uh, Emma, that as, as, as governors and trustees, we don't need to be told. And I don't, I think that's right. I don't think governors and trustees need to be told uh, that, um, you know, prioritising our children's, uh, you know, life chances and, and considering the opportunities, they, you know, that, that are afforded to them to be happy and, and express themselves, you know, whether that's through, uh, physical, creative, outdoor activities, things like that, um, it, it probably or almost certainly should take precedence over conversations about uh, structure and uh, and ideology. Although there is a place for those, clearly in in our uh, in governance, uh, you know, we have to navigate those waters. We have to think about um, you know what the best. Uh, options are for our for our children and young people, but that's not why we govern, isn't it? Is it really? So I think it, it is about that, you know, about about understanding where to start, what our priorities are, and uh, that's certainly what I cling on to. Yes, in 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 indeed, and and we know that from sort of all the surveys that we do, that what motivates people to govern is that contribution to to pupils and and um, the community. Oh, which reminds me that any moment now we are going to be launching our annual survey. You're going to say, "Good grief, has it come round again?" But uh, but it has, and it's invaluable, and we use it in so many ways. But I won't divert into that um, uh, now, um, and instead I will. Recommend recommend uh, Emma's webinar um, from this week that you'll find on our, our website and noted in the uh, newsletter uh, on pupil uh, well-being. And we're not going to just repeat um, uh, that where Emma sort of laid out uh, the facts and um, the data and what we could monitor, but but maybe try and go under the surface of one of those or one or two of the issues. Um, I was really um, uh, fascinated I'm uh, also probably quite saddened, but anyway, fascinated by the fact that the, the research you'd done drawing on people such as the Anna Freud Centre showed that young people reported the issues that affect their uh, mental well-being or reduce, perhaps I should say, their, their mental well-being um, uh, was schoolwork, exams, family issues, um, and then there were other surveys showing that for girls, uh, uh, sometimes actually appearance pushed pushed family issues um, out of those top top three. And that's really something for us to reflect on, isn't it, about the school system. Here are, here are governing boards, you know, in, in charge of responsible for, accountable for what we're offering our young people. And what they're saying to us is that actually schoolwork and the exam system is is affecting their mental well-being. I mean, that's a huge topic, and no governing board is going to be able to solve that on their own. But it is it is pause for thought, isn't it? What what yeah? You know, um, what what were you thinking about as you sort of gathered gathered all of that? I think I think it's really difficult because it's a system issue, isn't it? It's not like you say. It's not something that one governing board can potentially solve on their own. 
other than looking at school culture and actually how your culture chooses to focus or not on the importance of those pivotal points you know people can't deny the fact that actually it is important um but i think there are different ways and different settings different schools different trusts approach it slightly differently and it's probably illuminated actually by this idea of covid catch-up and possibly how much uh, that academic loss is prioritized over the social emotional um, loss that children and young people have also experienced in the last 12 months. Yeah, I, I think you're right there. I mean, I'm so so pleased you you you've just focused in there on on school culture, Emma, and and also that that idea that you know COVID. Uh, this is a COVID response. When actually, this is a this is a this well the well-being of children in this country it, it, you know it, it is it was in a bad state before you know covid has covid has made it worse and you're right emma the data doesn't paint uh, a pretty picture you know child, children's well-being in 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 this country in this country is well behind other countries and it doesn't feel nice to hear that mm. uh, that school is you know is largely responsible for that and as you say that that does raise some raise some difficult questions and and actually for me as a governor and a, and a trustee it also provides I think a bit of a moral or an ethical uh, dilemma as well because you were saying you know our school system weighs and measures pupils by tests and exams you know so children have you know they have to perform in phonics tests at the age of six and then you know, 18 in A-level exams and, and, and you know, and it's pretty relentless in, in between that, in between that. And, and so what I mean by an ethical dilemma is that, you know, I have this, I have this wonderful opportunity and this privilege of volunteering as a school governor and, and a trustee. And I do that because it gives me the chance to make a contribution to their life chances, to their future. But then on the other hand, by volunteering, I feel that I'm helping to sustain an education system that makes children ill. And that really worries me. And, and then, so then you think, well, actually, how can you, how, you know, what from my position can I do to counterbalance that? And it's exactly what Emma, Emma's just said. It's not to walk away from it. Of course, that would be the wrong thing to do. But it is to push back with your school culture and make sure that that does not overfocus on those those things, those over, those academic things. So for me, it's just kind of renewed my um, my commitment. Really, I think my energy to keep discussing with the you know the people I'm privileged to work with in my schools about how we are giving our children their chances to be happy and enjoy themselves. And you know, I mentioned a few moments ago, you know, that focus on physical you know, the arts, physical create, physical and creative activities, outdoor activities, that's stuff that gets marginalised for one reason or another. Um, and, and so I think that's that's where we can can be at our most powerful, you know, if we're, if we're continuing to sort of rebalance and recalibrate those conversations. But we do need a bit of help from the system as well. Uh, it's not right. It's not aligned properly. And, you know, and I, I think we're, we're as an organisation, we're prepared to debate that, aren't we? Um, with the policymakers. Now's the time though, isn't it, as well as you were saying, this is when you kind of, in those conversations about what's our vision, is it still fit for purpose? Actually, is what we're doing 
actually helping children and young people to be the best that they can be. And that includes, doesn't it, being happy, healthy, well-rounded children and young people. But the stuff that you've actually got some influence over is that culture. So is our culture actually helping us to achieve our vision? And if not, what can we do about it? Or what do we need to highlight as a priority with regard to well-being to make sure that that is kind of happening not at the expense of all of those other things that are still part of how we measure and support children as as governors. Yeah, and it's so difficult because I think the willingness is there. To, to I think we 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 all want to do that, and then the system pushes us back in a you know you know into a into a different place. I think from. A governing perspective and actually as governors and trustees giving school leaders the confidence to feel that you know we they can discuss these things and make that a fundamental part of their vision is really important and I suppose it gives me a chance to sort of plug some work we're doing at, at NGA that I'm quite passionate about um, uh, to help get those conversations moving um, so we're producing uh, guidance some of its um, been published some of it's uh, still in production um around these these topics of uh, 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 of the creative curriculum um uh, uh, the role of uh, physical uh, social health and economic education in 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 helping uh, pupils prepare for this really tough world that you know that we find ourselves in those things for you know are really really important but they're not easy conversations to start and continue so we're producing we're producing guidance and our PSHE guidance actually has been downloaded. We published that recently and it's been downloaded, I think, about 1,200 times, I think, in the first mm-hmm. week. It was really, really popular. It's been really popular. So you can see the interest is there. Um, and, and hopefully when our creative curriculum guides are updated and refreshed and they're coming soon, everyone, um, we can start conversations about that as well, and uh, and PE as well. We got something in the pipeline there, so really excited, and 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 I think hopefully we can we can help push those conversations along a little bit ourselves. But you're right; they really need to happen. They really need to be to kept to the forefront. And this year is actually a good year to be doing it. And it's not just that, that we're all thinking um, about uh, about recovery, although that, that language doesn't 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 always um, uh, sit very very well. But but also we don't have all the sort of performance tables that we normally have. So I'm hoping that everybody feels a little bit less sort of straitjacketed in terms of 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 what we measure. But but. Before we go on to that, because I know Emma, you were you were definitely talking about about trying to measure this, and there's lots of work going on in the sector about how on earth do you do you measure um, well being. But but the other thing I thought that came through really strongly from from your webinar was the, the, the pupil voice that you know you were using that data from national level pupil surveys, um, but actually locally, do do we have that, and and what what are people doing? Yeah, so lots of, I mean, I think this is one area where probably alternative providers or special schools do quite well because they've got tools that they use automatically kind of when children are on, that enter into their setting to do really detailed baseline assessments that because they're holistic often look at the social emotional aspects of, of somebody's well-being. So their data tends to be better, but there are other national 
um, sort of tools available. And that's where the Public Health England and the Anna Freud um, Monitoring Toolkit comes in, because they provide everybody with a real index of all of the different tools and the costs and everything that they cover. Um, because what that enabled you to do was to absolutely dig down into what aspects of well-being are having an impact on our cohort of children. So you know what your priorities need to be locally, but also it enables you to compare, as do lots of the tools that kind of alternative and special are able to use, it, it compare that data with a nationally available um, pool of information. So you can actually see, are we doing better than average? Are we kind of average and even if you are kind of it probably means you've still got a lot to do um or actually are you below in in which case you know heaven help you it's an absolute time to really focus in on those particular aspects whatever they might be um and, and you know it really will also help you to see that whatever interventions or support you're setting decides to do to address that priority area you'll have a really clear idea about whether it's making an impact or not and these things tend to take time so it might be one year it might be two years down the line that you're starting to see those real tangible changes and moves in the right direction around emotional health and well-being I think it's not something and we're wrong to expect that the data and the information is going to start to improve within the first term um, because I think, first of all, we've got to make sure that we've established that baseline and, and we're absolutely clear that, that we've got the right priorities. So I don't think it's enough for schools just to say we're prioritising well-being. I think they need to ask children and young people which elements of well-being need to be addressed within that setting because everybody's context is different. And one of the key things that are highlighted in the webinar was, for instance, um, the, there was a, a strong difference between self-harming boys in Manchester and self-harming boys in Oxford. So if everybody goes off and just starts saying, OK, let's look at boys and self-harm, you aren't going to be meeting the needs of your own pupil population. And, and on top of that, Emma, uh, our fourth key function is about really focusing on stakeholder engagement. And children and young people are our biggest stakeholder, aren't they, surely? And if we're not asking them or, or giving them a voice um, and really enabling them to see that they've got that decision making um, power or to, in, to influence decision making, then, you know, they're, they're not achieving all they can be. They don't feel included in the system that's there to support them. Um, so I think we know, don't we, that when children and young people are feeling as though they have got influence, then they do even better, which contributes further to that positive emotional health and well-being that we're trying to trying to do. There's another reason as well, I think, and 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 for for understanding and having a true uh, feel for for how how pupils are feeling, um, and that is just to ensure that this this agenda does not have. Uh, you know, a, 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 an adverse impact on them, really. I think that's really important in the current climate. And, and I've heard this said often um, that, you know, there is a concern about almost normalising this approach to uh, monitoring, uh, the systematic monitoring of well-being, you know, throughout the school, but certainly pupil well-being. And, and that bombardment of questions about, about mental health and well-being uh, you know, can actually have an adverse effect on on someone's, particularly young person's mental health. So, you know, that has to be considered as well. So, getting a sense of, uh, you know, I think it's it's one of the greatest sort of privileges, isn't it, of, of, of governing is that opportunity that we get to 
to speak to pupils and hear about them and get a sense for their experience of of school and 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 this is one uh occasion where i think as you say emma it's so important because it gives us a sense about how they're feeling about how we're approaching this talk not not just that we're taking it seriously really important and then what do we do as a a, a, a result because all the sort of voice work shows that doesn't it it's all very well to ask people but then if nothing changes that's very very demotivating de- 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 so yes you want that virtuous cycle that you were talking about emma not um uh, not that negative um uh, cycle and you know different young people will react differently won't they to demands of of so that that first one about schoolwork yes we all know you have to work hard at, at at school we're not we're not trying to get away from from that but it's what is the school doing within the constraints you so rightly say we're we're all working within but to 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 make that um uh, not just easy but also i think we you know we talked about you know joyful um um earlier on it might just be worth doing a little plug for the um arts festival that um askel have brought a number of organizations together including us to um uh, disseminate and to encourage schools to to get involved in on the on the 28th of may do a bit of a a showcase of all the incredible talent that that we have out there amongst amongst our young people and i think that's that's one of the things also that is rewarding isn't it for, for governors and, and and trustees to see just how much how much progress and how much good good work how much flourishing um, there is and that's one of our other jobs isn't it as governing boards is to make sure we are resourcing the staffing structure so that staff do have the time I mean we we, we perhaps don't talk enough about pastoral staff and pastoral resources um, um, as as maybe we should because another one of your your stats Emma that I remember was that only half was that right of of young people at school felt they had somebody they could could talk to so that's great for that half but but for the other half when you think that school's the place that all young well almost all almost all children and young people um have have contact with and 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 go to if they don't feel they have a trusted adult so those day-to-day relationships are really important for this work aren't they they are they are I, I don't I, you know it's not to overplay that either because I think that the majority of children and young people who didn't have a trusted adult in school to go to probably went to a family member so I think it's as long as children and young people have got a trusted adult that they could go to we're probably okay but given that family was cited as such a cause for negative emotional health within those children within, you know, within particular cohorts of children I think it, it's it is important to, to think actually you do want them to have a variety of sources to go to and school is one of those really important ones and and different children will have different relationships with different people it won't always be that official um as as it were the official lead um for uh for well-being um so in in terms of then um uh, a governing board that says we want to champion a whole school culture um that is um really ensuring pupil well-being is as good as it 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 can be what 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 other things would would you want to stress the the top of what you've got to do is to look at your vision 
and to look at the strategy that helps you to do that. And then all of the other aspects. So the whole school approach is, is laid out in lots of the documentation about schools supporting emotional health and well-being. And actually, it kind of then it comes down to the ethos. So what we were talking about earlier. So how do you make sure your culture, your values and your ethos are going to help you achieve that vision um, that you've that you've set with all of the stakeholders, all of the partners? You've got um, good data so that your priorities are kind of right. You've got targeted support available and interventions. You've got your generic curriculum, teaching and learning. You've got trained staff. You've consulted with children, you've consulted with parents and carers, um, and, and all of those things are kind of covered with it. You've looked at your policies to make sure that they've been reviewed um, to, to kind of, I suppose, drive this approach as well. So every element of school life, there are eight principles of the whole school approach. And if you have a look at some of those documents that we reference in the webinar and in the information sheet, as well as the um, the monitoring toolkits they all kind of take you through that whole school approach as being the best way to have kind of lasting impact and and real difference made because you've gone at it from all angles if that makes sense yeah and it's not a project this is it it shouldn't be sort of seen as a as, as a project you you know you it, it's nice that you you know we've sort of had this opportunity to talk about uh school culture and and, and emma there just going back to those first principles and we do talk about first principles so so much but it's 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 fundamental really to to have that clarity of, of thought um about what you want to achieve and then it's an it's it's an evolutionary process it doesn't it, it doesn't it's not a standalone project it links to so many different aspects of school life and different policies so um i think that that's that's helpful really for those who are listening who might think actually you're asking a great deal of us here it's a huge area and we feel like you know um people's futures or young people's futures and and, and uh, happiness is you know it rests rests with us it, it's not it's not as straightforward as that because life isn't as straightforward but i think with those first principles they really do unlock the potential for you to have conversations about the resourcing, you know, where the emphasis is there because there's never enough resources there. So you have to make decisions about what's important, what you really want. And 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 that gives you that sort of um, clarity of thought, to, you know, at governing level to make those decisions. Sometimes they might be difficult decisions uh, and also to to instill that confidence in your school leaders who who. And you and your staff, who I think you're there at there at the sharp end of the accountability system, feeling that actually they need to get certain things right, or uh, in the future of the school rests on on that, and and they don't know how they're going to sort of build this agenda into in, in, into that um, into that level of focus. And you know, it, it's an obvious thing to say, but you know, happy and um, fulfilled. Uh, children and young people are are much more likely to achieve, aren't they? So it's you know it's not a process that takes place in isolation. So absolutely, and it did. I thought exactly exactly the same. That this is this is a big ask, but it is really um, in part what schools are there 
to do, isn't it? It's yes, of course, we want our, our children to come leave our school, you know, equipped for the next stage of life. And that's both about their academic achievement, but also about their well, well-rounded um, uh, development and, and, and happiness. So yes, huge, uh, a, a huge part of, of what you're all volunteering to, um, to achieve. So I do hope those resources will be useful. As Emma mentioned, there's the information sheet um, as as well that's just been published. So you can follow it in a much more systematic way than we might have been chatting about it um, uh, today. So we're about to enter the month of May. And for visible governance, we are choosing working with our senior leaders as the focus um, for, uh, for May. So that means, in fact, that the next podcast, uh, we're going to be talking to some chairs and um, head teacher CEO um, couples, if that doesn't sound too cozy. Partnerships, perhaps, is a, is a better word to, to explore um, uh, that. Uh, but also, so, uh, uh, Steve, in the you've just uh, also published um, some guidance, uh, which is also looking at uh, CPD for for leaders, haven't you? Yes, we we have, um, and we're we're delighted to um, to to publish uh, this guidance. We, we've been working with um, Heads Up, which is um, a partnership uh, of 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 school that provides. Uh, Head teachers and, and school leaders up and down the country with uh, support and support tools uh, to get them through uh, good times and, and bad and, and, and help them uh, flourish in all circumstances. So it was really useful to uh, work with James and, and the team at Heads Up and get their insight into some of the uh, you know some of the issues that uh, school leaders uh, think about and, and, and reflect on. Uh, when they're when they're looking at their own leadership and and we produced um, a guiding document. It's it's aimed at chairs of governing boards, and it's really um, to help them uh, make those conversations about CPD and professional growth and nourishment an intuitive part of their regular conversations that they have with their school leaders. Whether that's part within the appraisal process or whether that's as part of their one-to-one -one meetings or or in other uh, opportunities and, and we've sort of focused in on some areas of, of professional growth that are really worth exploring uh, with, us, with, with school leaders and encouraging them to, to take the time to reflect uh, and give themselves the time to do that really because you know they often put the needs of others first so we hope that's going to land well um, and we're, we're looking forward to, uh, to, to sort of getting an initial reaction to it Absolutely. And you're right. We, we are sort of keeping that theme up, aren't we? Every every governing matters. We, we, we've had um, some articles about CPD for um, uh, teachers, leaders, business, um, business leaders um, as as well. And indeed, it'll be a theme of one of our summer conference seminars, um, too. And obviously, um, uh, Emma's team thinking uh, uh, really hard about CPD for for governing boards um, uh, themselves. So yes, don't forget to uh, make sure you 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 claim that that right. And also, by the way, um, claim your expenses. We also are, are finding that that uh, very very few people do that. But in terms of going back to that point about sort of inclusion and and culture, it's 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 good if everybody knows they absolutely have a right 
site to, to, to claim expenses. But Emma, you've, you've organized um, a, a small poll on our website to try and find out how much people are investing in their, in their CPD. So we'd encourage um, people to um, uh, fill that out to give us an idea of what's practical because it's very easy for us to sit here and say you must you must do x or you must um put this much money forward um I think but we're, it, we're looking for an average aren't we a kind of a, an average of spend per school or an average of time that we expect people to kind of undertake that cpd that's helpful really just so that we can we can fly the flag to say actually this is perfectly acceptable and necessary um, and and don't sell uh, to executive leaders. Don't sell your board's development short. And to you, as as governors and trustees, please don't feel as though you are taking this pound away from the front line because it will be beneficial in the long run. Great. And then, sort of continuing on that theme, um, in in June we're preparing a, a report that's all about development and career pathways for clerks and 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 governance development. So that's very high um, on uh, on our agenda. And the other policy and research report um, that will be coming out that month um, is is all around uh, diversity and inclusion. Um, and we've been uh, particularly um, uh, talking to uh, both uh, black, Asian and minority ethnic governors and trustees, but also young governors and trustees. And so we're going to be really pleased to hand over the uh, podcasts uh, in the summer uh, to governors from, from those groups. So after we've launched the, the NGA research um, uh, results um, and some more practice around how to approach diversity and, and inclusion, um, you'll hear from, from those people with um, real, real experience of uh, governing from uh, from their those groups in their own words, because we're really conscious as an organisation. Uh, we don't want to mediate everything. We we want to be able to facilitate you also hearing from your peers. Um, so that's the the other activity we've got happening during May uh, during our working with with leaders um, uh, months. We invite senior leaders to come along with their chairs and vice chairs to our governance leadership forum. So please do have a look on our events page um, and and get involved in those because uh, so far they're proving very uh, popular. They're very interactive, very member. Um, uh, uh, led so it's it's a, a delight to be able to facilitate that through uh, virtual virtual means some of the benefits of having gone virtual over the last um, year so thank you ever so much for listening um, this month um, and uh, next month I hope you'll join us to hear from uh, our chairs and their senior leaders um, Thank you and bye-bye. Bye. -bye. bye. bye.